Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of my Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. For an hour or so Or was it a day? I truly don't know The sun never set And the trees are low By the soft and shining sea Do you respect me for what I did? Or what I didn't do? Or keeping it hid? Did I lose my mind When I try to get rid Of everything you see In the summertime Oh, in the summertime in the summertime When you were with me I got the heart and you got the blood We cut through iron and we cut through mud Then came the warning before the flood It set everyone free Fools, they made a mark of sin Our loyalty they tried to win But you were closer than my next of kin when they didn't want to see In the summertime Oh, oh, in the summertime In the summertime And you were with me Shame was theirs Oh, that suffering Not to be compared With the glory to be I'm still carrying The gift you gave It's part of me now Cherished and saved Be with me unto the grave And then unto eternity In the summertime Oh, oh In the summertime in the summertime, you with me. In the summertime, oh, oh, in the summertime, in the summertime, you with me. Infinity by Pat Bloss. A moment of your time. 
Infinity, let's agree, has no end or beginning. The universe, we agree, is infinite. So, is there more than one universe? Two, for example? If both are infinite, they occupy the same space and time, which our admittedly basic grasp of physics states is impossible. The same applies for any number greater than two, including, we conclude, an infinite number of universes. Ergo, there must be only one. But one is a finite number, and infinity insists on no finite numbers. Ergo, there's that word again, the universe does not exist. Are you still there? Just Add Hot Water by Phil Boast If the money's running out in distant, far-flung, exotic places and everything else is closed, you can always find one. From the most sanitised supermarket to the most grimy downtown store, somewhere there will be your salvation. When hunger strikes, you know you have a friend which knows no cultural or linguistic barriers and which will see you through the lean, hungry times to better times. And all else you need is to find a kettle. Wherever you are on the rocky road of life and wherever may be your destination, there will always be the pot noodle. 
my gadgets and trade them in for wine. Empty, empty, everything, we're running out of time. I'll throw my books into the fire to share its blessed heat. I'll give up all my carbs, just let me have a little meat. I spun into a spiral with a tablet in its news. Sensationalist crap intended to the heart confuse. Eroded by a sickening tale that crushes to despair. The sun still warms the flowers, yet I cannot feel the air. Branded on my brain A vision of his actions Ignitions of its pain Consumption is consuming me I have to turn it off And with it tiny house dreams And the meme-inspiring trough Teetering with teacups Too many on the tray In morning, Mr. Dinosaurs Knock them down for play Pick up the little pieces And add them to the wall Come now, start unveiling It's time to make the call Come back, come go away Come back, it's best to stay This little life we build I do not want to stray Come back, we'll find a way at fingertips with every feed the brain trips a day is such a loaded thing but chasing it would only bring another Warning, every onion in this show tastes of our community. Stay tuned for our full recipe of onion chat and music, mixed and cooked to perfection. Do not repeat, do not leave your onions unattended. Full terms and conditions apply. Another Birthday by Natalie Eldred In the dining room her two children, her mother, a good friend and her husband chatted happily amongst scattered plates. 
Even her teenage children were being excellent, demonstrating they could occasionally disconnect from the Wi-Fi and be polite human beings. She'd done a good job, hadn't she? Everyone said so. Yet, here she was, hiding in the toilet, wondering what it would be like to be vaccinating children in the Central African Republic or somewhere. Somewhere wild, dangerous, and elsewhere. Back in the kitchen, she carefully lit each birthday candle. Right, she said to the room. Everyone ready to sing? by Pamela Ennis. Oh, what a world of unseen visions and heard silences, this insubstantial country of the mind. Julian Jaynes. Memory. Inaccurate at best, what is its purpose then? A question from this Sufi, whose very practice, Zikra, invokes memory. In my limited understanding, it is the drawing forth and recognition of experience. At its height, shared experience, nurturing, divinity, essential cosmos, whispering, you are mine, grunting treasured meaning throughout this life. Add to this, sitting a living Shiva at the deathbed of the mother of a dear friend. I have no conclusions, only bits and pieces related to life, ever turning.
We're serving extra tasty onions today with additional onion vitamins and minerals. Exclusively brought to you by our writers from our own community. Enjoy the full onion experience exclusively on 106.6 FM, Cone Radio. Top Dog by Ian Hornet. You had to be first, first in line, first for lunch, first in tests, first to get changed, sit down, stand up, first in games and races. Always first, until he wasn't. First to anger, first to cheat, first to throw a punch, first to trouble, first to rebel, to leave home, to disappoint. First to join a gang, to deal, to mug, to rob. First in the bank, first to the safe, first to the cash, always first, until he wasn't. Last out of the bank, last to drop the gun, last to be shot, last breath, first, I'm sorry.
Bank Holiday by Sophie Drenogle. Come on, it'll be fun, he winks. I reluctantly agree. We buy a big new tent at the sales and book three nights at a farm camp. The bank holiday arrives and, no surprise, it rains. The track is a quagmire. We slide into our designated pitch. How did all those tent things fit into that bag, Mummy? We'll see on Monday, darling. Dad organises the tent. The endless multilingual instructions are blown across the field by a showery gust. The English section is obliterated boys and I escape to the farm cafe. Yes, my kind of break. Selection by Tony Piers. Oh, why do I have to do it? He asked. Because you have all the right qualities. You're small, sharp, effective, an element of surprise often overlooked in favour of others. 
She nodded disdainfully towards one of them now. Take him, he's just a heavyweight. There's no brain power needed for that one. Will it hurt? Well, it can be a bit messy, but not painful, not for you. She unsheathed him for further examination, paying particular attention to the butt. You can never be too careful. As the manual says, a good assassin should always prepare her tools before work.
here on 106.6 FM Colne Radio, we only serve the finest onions. Each one has been lovingly and organically hand-reared, using only our finest onion juice and our generations of deep onion knowledge to produce these award-winning soundscapes of original stories and perfectly chosen music. Light of the Disc by Paul Hooper Today I drove an hour and a half to play disc golf in the rain. That's dedication for you. Well, it would be if I planned to do it again. No chance. Still, a chicken and leek pie and a pint of porter at the Royal Oak smoothed away the disappointment. The flight of the disc is like a visual siren song, always demanding more. If only I had another 30 yards, I'd show these young blokes a thing or two. Still, I putted well. The sound of the disc smashing into the chains, like coins in the cash register. Are you alright? You're watching the night. 
The Thing by Rob Lewis Kevin didn't mind lockdown at all. Call of Duty occupied more and more of his time and he became increasingly proficient. He shut out all extraneous noise and rarely joined the family at mealtimes, just eating leftovers. There was company enough in the iPad, in his opponents. One day he rounded a corner in the game, going for the kill. These graphics were so realistic that he could almost imagine he was really in the scene. He could hear the loud screams. Surely that wasn't a real bullet that whizzed past his face? Kevin suddenly felt a genuine agonizing fear.
by Gladys Hornet. Ivy arrived home, bags full of food for the party that day. She opened the door to see Tom painting the banisters. What are you doing? People will get paint over their clothes. You said it needed doing. They'll just have to be careful. The day wore on. Painting finished, food prepared, children ready. Notices, wet paint. Just before the guests arrived, Ivy stared aghast as Tom descended, carefully avoiding the paint. Jumper with holes in the elbows. You can't wear that. Grumbling, he went back up, reappearing in a different jumper. Same elbows, different holes. You did say change. Imagine this. Somebody walks in and they're like, oh my god. And there's a very simple explanation. Humans love onions. Why? Because they're extremely versatile and, yeah, they just make everything better. you are. 
you give and what you take up and if for your trouble thoughts don't shut the door it never locks don't shut the door it never locks Onioning to 100 word listens, cultivated on the Cone Radio allotment by Pat Bloss, Phil Boast, Natalie Eldred, Pamela Ennis, Ian Hornet, Sophie Drenogel, Tony Pierce, Paul Hooper, Rob Lewis, and Gladys Hornet. And so that's all we have time for for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch either with Cone Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi, written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 23 Myth and Magic. Learning how the people here live their lives and go about their daily business is endlessly interesting. And to me, one of the most fascinating aspects of this is their absolute belief in the supernatural and how there are so many parallels and similarities to stories that we were brought up with in England. Every human society, it seems, has its own version of ghosts, unquiet spirits, vampires, elves and so on, some being powers for the good and some not. But we all have them in one form or another 
and our ways of dealing with them are also similar. Everyone knows, for example, that garlic is used to deter vampires, and exorcism is a useful counter to people who become possessed of evil. The near equivalent of elves here are called Bidadari, which can either be good elves or bad elves. Apparently, since Neoman was at junior school, he says he has had a very pretty lady elf who has lived with him and does her best to protect him against misfortune and presumably against bad elves. Something similar are two jewels, which are very small and have no hair, and are always mischievous, but nothing worse than that. Two jewels steal small objects or move things around so you can't find them, and the way to deter them is to light a fire of chicken feathers, which makes them choke and go and do their mischief elsewhere. Apparently, we have two two jewels already living in the lodge, so there's something we should look out for. Somewhat more serious is the beautiful full-grown woman who lives under a certain mango tree between Bahowo and Tonkana, the next village. She has horse's hooves for feet and appears on the road at night, which often causes motorbike accidents. And everyone walking between the villages after dark walks very quickly past this particular tree, lest she make her unwished-for appearance. Worst of all, though, is the songcock. A songcock is a man during the day and an evil spirit at night who can fly and can be heard at night flying about and calling his distinctive cock, cock, cock as he goes. His method of attacking adults is to hit them in the back of the legs by adopting a sitting position with his legs out straight, elevated about a foot off the ground. He then carries his victim away and throws him or her into Mount Lockon, one of our local active volcanoes. Quite what he stands to gain by this is unclear, so we assume that here is evil for evil's sake and nothing more or less than that. His speciality, however, is stealing newborn babies. A songcock is deterred by the smell of onions or lemons, but best of all, and to be certain, fires are always lit at night around the houses where a baby has just been born, as the songcock cannot then approach the house. Everyone knows who the songcocks are. There is one who or which lives in Worry, a village not far from Bahowo. And we ask whether he has any friends in his earthly, everyday form. And apparently he does. We suppose it isn't his fault that he's also a songcock, it's just one of those things. Phil has heard the songcock once flying past the lodge in the dead of night. And we assume it's a nocturnal bird but not around here. Here, a songcock is a songcock, and about the worst manifestation of evil that has to be lived with, and must at all times be guarded against. That said, not all songcocks are bad, although most are, but one does occasionally encounter a good one, who will make you feel strong. Whether this is physical or spiritual strength, we're not sure, but anyway, it's a good thing, the problem, we suppose, being that if you meet one, you might not know whether it's good or bad until it's too late. Evil can take many forms, and one night under our mango tree we are told the story of two sisters in the village, both of whom died on their respective birthdays under mysterious circumstances. Since both were young and in perfect health, prior to their sudden and inexplicable deaths. 
Sulce, our cook, found both of them, one of whom was wife to Mr. Gustav, and the other was wife to Marvelous Marwin, who is currently one of our carpenters. In any case, foul deeds are suspected, and Newman's father, who is a white witch doctor and a man of great perceptive powers, was called upon to investigate. He walked once through the village, and with no hesitation pointed to Mr. Philippus, whom he accused of being the murderer, and told him in no uncertain terms to stop killing people. Mr. Philippus said, OK, he would stop killing people, and the mystery was solved. The villagers asked Newman's father to kill Mr. Philippus to avenge the deaths, but he refused, saying that he was a white witch doctor, and as such didn't kill people. Mr. Philippus lives in the village to this day, and as far as we know has killed no one since. Another story that we are told is about James, second eldest son to Aris and Sulce, who would for a while wake up each night somewhere in the village with no idea as to how he'd got there, other than that he had thought he had been accompanied or led by a young woman. All assumed that he must be possessed of some evil force, and once again Yeoman's father was called to the village, who by some mysterious means carried out some form of exorcism, after which James slept peacefully in his bed. If asked about his own abilities, Newman merely smiles knowingly and says that of all his brothers and one sister, he alone has inherited his father's healing powers, although he will not expand upon this, perhaps out of modesty or suspicion that we will not take him seriously. What is beyond doubt, however, is that he has a deep and learned understanding of the workings of the human body, and can cure Paula of her quite regular headaches by way of massage. Apparently it's all to do with blood flow, but whatever it's to do with, it works, and we are determined to inquire further when we have more time here. One way perhaps to ward off evil is to be baptised into the Christian faith, and this happened one day to Mr Martin, who was persuaded to join the congregation of the Pentecostal Church, having formerly been a Protestant. This involves full immersion in water, which around here means in the sea. And to this end, the Pentecostal vicar took Mr. Martin onto the village beach, with the rest of the congregation gathered around to witness the event. Hymns were sung and prayers were said as Mr. Martin was gently pushed underwater. But then something strange happened. 
Mr. Martin disappeared completely. The vicar sort of fished around but could find no trace of him in the murky water. So what had happened? Had the good Lord so soon claimed Mr. Martin body and soul? Was this a miracle witnessed by all present? What had actually happened is that Mr. Martin, who had a well-developed sense of humour and was clearly not taking matters very seriously, had swum off underwater and into the mangroves, from whence he appeared after a couple of minutes, large as life and still very much of this world. This was much to the general amusement of all, except the vicar, who did not see the funny side of it and refused to allow Mr. Martin to join his church. It would be an easy thing for us to dismiss such beliefs in magic and supernatural powers as superstitious nonsense, which defy rational thought and would not stand up to conventional scientific scrutiny. But if something is believed, it can become as real as any other reality, and the impact of such beliefs on people here is real enough. The lady who runs the local dive centre once had some dive gear stolen, and instead of involving the police, which would have achieved nothing, she threatened to summon the local dukun, or witch doctor, to find the culprit, and by the next morning the gear was back where it was taken from. Spells and such also work hand in hand with traditional herbal medicines and healing methods, which can be extremely effective. And believing that you will be cured can go a long way toward being cured, just as believing that you are cursed and will die can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. We lived our early impressionable years being presented with Bible stories which we were given to believe were the truth, gospel truth in fact, and by any rationale these take a lot of believing. So the truth can be a subjective thing, and depends where in the world you lay your head. Truth, like beauty, can often be in the eye of the beholder, and this can be as true of science as it is of any other discipline. So one day soon we will bring our secular Western scepticism into this place to live amongst these warm and wonderful people, and let them believe what they will. It's all part of a much bigger thing, and far be it from us to tell them that they're wrong. Motherland, cradle me, close my eyes, lullaby me to sleep. Keep me safe, lie with me, stay beside me, don't go. Don't you go. Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 